Hello and welcome to another episode of the Construction Corner Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm your host, and I am not <laughs> joined by my co-host today. Matt has some ice and snow problems. Uh, he's in Michigan, so unlike Texas, he's used to it. But uh, you know, definitely has his own set of uh, cold weather issues today. But today, I am joined by a fantastic guest, Nick Curio is construction industry and nonprofit trade association professional. Uh, you guys heard him on the round table, but in case you didn't, you can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, but Nick's diverse experience in the industry includes uh, going on job sites, working on job sites from selling building materials and specialty products to job site evaluations and uh, trainings for contractors and technical being a technical sales rep. Currently he is the VP at Western Wall and Ceiling Contractors Association. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Dylan, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So obviously you've done basically everything in construction. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close, man. Not even close. Thanks for the uh, the nod there, but no, I barely scratched the surface. <laughs> <laughs> As with many of us, right, we uh, we maybe dipped our toe into a, a good chunk of, of pieces, but uh bring it back a little bit and what and how did you get your start in the construction industry sure um yeah i'd love to tell the story a little bit i'll try and make it short and sweet because my construction tenure has been my entire life actually uh, i like to say i'm a second generation blue collar professional um my father who's in the industry as well albert carrillo um so i was on job sites following him around he was a plasterer by trade I was jumping in sand piles, jumping off scaffold when I was young, going to job sites, you know, on the weekends when I was old enough to push a wheelbarrow, that was my job. And I got paid in uh, Frosties from Wendy's, <laughs> no money when I was little. So I got a sense of walking around a job site, what's the culture, what's it like? And then I started working for my on my own. It was actually on my birthday that I went full time. I was working summers and um, went full time right before college started working as a plaster and then i ended up becoming kind of the traveling foreman so I, anything that was out of town i jumped on and then it became like he's got no kids he's got no wife send him on the road he'll start running the jobs so that's what i did for a while and that was based out of albuquerque new mexico got to do some really fun projects there and then um in our scope i did scaffold up to scaffold down is how i describe it so from, from dirt to finished product, I was kind of there through the whole process. Then I kind of said, you know, I'm sick of breaking down my body. What if I use my mind? So I started sending applications out and I was afforded an opportunity to go to California. And in California, I worked for a material supplier called Calply at the time, who ultimately got bought out by LNW Supply. And they had a technical department. And so my duties were to go to job sites and kind of do evaluations. I would go to architecture offices and give box lunch presentations on specific products. And my scope was um, wall and ceiling products or plaster, hand applied plaster products, and a few other specialty products. That led me to, it's funny, I, I always tell the story. So I was 21 when I went to California, no friends, no family over there. I was chasing a career and I was told Le legitimately told, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. Why should I listen to you? 
And so that was kind of like the, all right, you know, you, you work a little bit, you figure out how to have a conversation and kind of present yourself in a manner that's respected. And then that afforded me an opportunity to take that role to Arizona. And there I met uh, the CEO of FCA International, and I was the national the vice president of International Contractor Association. There uh, we had about five major crafts that we worked with, and we were a, a contractor association. And then um, since then it evolved and uh, came over to the local association of WWC. That's where I'm at now. So it's a uh, it's, I don't know, it's like condensed career growth. I, I did a lot in a what would seem like a short amount of time, but it was uh, it was incredible. The path has been fun the whole way. And that's it. And I think, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, yeah. Short and sweet. I think that's uh, something that, you know, can often get overlooked in really any field, but especially in construction, that if you if you get in the right role in the right seat and you really dive all into it, right. You, you put a lot of time and effort, you <laughs> read up on trade journals, do all that, you know, the, the YouTube thing, the um, diving into industry publications, all that kind of stuff. You can really learn a lot in a short period of time. And I think that gets, um, I want to say a bad rap, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, kind of looked down upon, right from all these guys that are, have been in the industry for, for a long period of time. Um, but maybe their growth stalled after year five, right. Or year 10, um, they haven't really come across anything new. So it's, it's understanding that you can, uh, really learn and grow within any industry, uh, but especially construction and do it in a fairly short time frame. Again, in the right role where you see, see a lot, you're exposed to a lot, um, and then can, dive and kind of reiterate that process I, that's yeah so what is like to kind of go on that so construction right we're really good at telling each other how awesome construction is we will tell our peers how good we are but all of our peers are in the construction industry and the message to the public i think just we got to work harder telling the public that I know of stories where people are coming out and they go as an apprentice on a job site, but then become a VDC BIM model, you know, professional in this agency. And, or maybe there was a computer gaming expert who came into the construction industry and is writing code for the construction industry. These stories, we all know them in our world, but the public doesn't. And it's, we got to figure out a way to get the students to know don't believe it to be a ladder where it's just so linear. It's a lattice. You can go anywhere and do anything. And if you like, you know, swinging a hammer or pulling wire all day, that's fun because at the end of the day, you're building your city. But if you want to go further and push and challenge the industry and in its entirety, that can be done too. And yeah, man, you're touching on something that's like a huge <laughs> passion point for me because we got to figure out how to break out out of our echo chamber and kind of talk to the to the industry like i use big tech as an example everyone knows you can get a hundred thousand dollar job at google or at facebook it's kind of the known but they don't know that that's also possible in construction and like they, easily you. possible <laughs> easily easily possible yeah yeah um and that's i mean from tradesmen 
right? There, there's plenty of tradesmen out there that are making, you know, over well over six figures being a, you know, master electrician, right? Being yeah. a journeyman <laughs> plumber, you know, would you name it up and down the chain. There are plenty of people making uh, easily six figures as a, as a trades. And then, so you touched on um, gaming and really coming into the, the VDC side of things. So uh, for everybody out there, VDC is virtual design and construction. And there have been plenty of examples of uh, firms, whether that's, uh, I think Hensel Phelps has it, uh, Gilbane, there's a bunch of bigger um, construction firms that have hired people that were either went to school for gaming in particular, <laughs> game design. And then what that amounts to is you could now take a Revit model, a BIM model, uh, flip it through a gaming engine like Unity, Unreal, whatever, um, and then export that either to a single screen walkthrough. So now people are walking through construction sites um, or buildings really uh, with an Xbox controller or they're doing it through like the Oculus Rift. Reason I know I, I did a lot of this in like 13, 14 when the, the Rift was like brand new. Um, so I was <laughs> did this like what seems like forever ago. But um, and at that time, even in, I think, 15 or 16, um, like Gilbane had a full department for it where you could walk around like an OR. Um, they they put it on like a surgeon's head, uh, the Oculus Rift, and then they walk through the OR. You know, is everything in the right place for right. the table or the lights in the right place? And for a surgeon, that was like mind blown you know they usually had no say in that process it was usually the head nurses that that did everything um for operating rooms but now you could take you know your honorary surgeons and, and put them into to a headset and get feedback before it's ever built right before it's super expensive to make changes you could right. do that super early in the process and and when you talk to these guys and gals that come from the gaming industry what was being asked in that time was like, oh yeah, that's easy. Oh yeah, we can do that, like no problem. And we're over here like square peg, not fit, right? So it, it's it just bridging that has just skyrocketed us, I think, into just advancement and an ability to recruit um, beyond what we're doing. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. You were diving so deep into that. It was fast. I was blown away at, uh, I was introduced to Tilt Brush on Oculus, or it wasn't Oculus, I think it was the Oculus, but I was shown Tilt Brush before it went public. And what like blew my mind is you you can paint in the in the air, right? And then it stays there to like a one millimeter accuracy. And knowing that we can create something in a digital environment that stays suspended when looking at it virtually, like what this can do for construction is like, Unreal. You can basically have your entire project cast onto the land, the site, and build to the project. I, I mean, that's that's not far fetched. No, and and the big thing that we talk about in like a lot of this is so like Hololens is out, which I think is a much better solution than um, like Oculus is. Uh, so Hololens is the thing for Microsoft, where mm -hmm. it's. Uh, really augmented reality, not virtual reality. So you're seeing the real world um, or the uh, virtual world self, uh, superimposed upon the real world. So now you can walk around a job site. You can now see like where all the ductwork should be. Does it match, you know, progress, all that kind of good stuff. One-to-one um, -one too. 
that's yeah. the biggest thing. What yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Which is it's huge to and to get scale right um, as it's superimposed is like crazy awesome <laughs> and have it with that accuracy. Um, but the the thing that we always touch on to here for uh, technology, like and I build software, right? I build Revit add-ons, all that kind of stuff. But it's to know that like not all technology is going to solve all your problems. Um, it's making sure that you have the right system, the right peg for uh, each technology to fit in and know that over time it might change, right? You might have evolved from the Oculus to like just using that gaming engine to walk through a building via Zoom, right? Or through the computer and it's still virtual, you're just not putting a headset on, right? It gives you a different feel of, of the space and everything like that. And then, you know, maybe the HoloLens is a different solution. Um, right. But knowing that technology is your friend, but knowing where to apply it is also important <laughs> to add into the conversation. And that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough thing for the tech companies. I think when you come into the construction world is honestly, they don't really have the time to try and figure that out. And then if, okay, you're a tech company say, okay, I'll solve that. Well, you have, let's just use round numbers for conversation sake, a hundred contractors in a market. That's a hundred unique business practices and a hundred unique uh, procurement, uh, you know, processes. There is not like a, a code that you can write that solves process in construction. And so everything is an assembly. It's not a, you know, uh, I don't know what, what the word I'm looking for is um, a kit. It's not like a one answer. You got to assemble parts to build what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think ultimately that's why innovation has to come from within the industry. Um, not, it's not going to come from outside the industry because frankly, Silicon Valley can't, uh, they don't understand nor they have the temperament to deal with construction. Yeah. And construction has a huge lead time before they're willing to listen to you. It just, this, so there's not a specific person I'm calling out. It's just kind of the culture of the industry. You know, you, when you go into the field, you've, you got to earn your keep. You got to, you know, you got to clean up after hours. You've got to learn how to do all the masking. Maybe you're doing some grunt work. Then you learn how to do the craft or you go through apprenticeship and then you become a journeyman and you're let in. And so there's a lead time to get to the responsibility and decision-making. And that's because that responsibility and decision-making is massive. Uh, you look at a project manager or an estimator or somebody, they might have $100 million of revenue they're responsible for annually. And they came up as an apprenticeship to a journeyman. Mark Breslin talks about this a lot. And so we, you can't just kind of come in and assume everything's going to be accepted. You're right? You can't come in and just be like, hey, guys, I have this new widget. It's perfect. Because I promise you it will get like ridiculed, riddled with uh, bullet holes of all the things that are going to be wrong with it. And then um, and then through time, though, if you come in, you kind of have a conversation. That's what I'm that's what I'm finding. So <clears throat> I'm working on an innovation committee through SWAC, which is the Signal Contractors Association. They're a national innovation committee similar to MCA or NICA's, whom we're talking to as well trying to connect contractors in the wall and ceiling industry, especially subcontractors, for this exact reason. We're, we're trying to say, hey, tech industry, we welcome the innovation. We want the innovation, but we want to be able to have a, a, a say in what we actually need. Uh, don't kind of just 
try to sell us something. And it's it's proving successful. It's it's I think it's been helpful. I think the tool manufacturers are looking forward to it. We've had a couple conversations where the manufacturers like, oh, we didn't even know you guys wanted this. We have we have an old file cabinet full of all of this stuff. We have we're ready. You really want this? We got it now. It's like, yeah, let's go for it. And we'll find you some contractors, we'll pair you up and let's let's figure out a solution that's marketable. And yeah, it's it's interesting trying to enter the construction industry. It takes we talk our own language. We we do things different. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. It's just it just is. Yeah, I mean, so a few important things that you hit on, right? In construction, you're responsible for very large dollar figures, right? Mm -hmm. Seven, eight, seven is like you're you're not really in charge of anything. Eight, <laughs> you know, you've got a mid-tier responsibility. Nine figures is really okay. You're you're in a decently sized firm and you're dealing with you know, one to, well, it depends on where you are in the process, right? So on the design side, you could be doing 10 projects a year, right? <laughs> one a month yeah. and pounding through that much as a, you know, design engineer um, and PE, you know, over a department or whatever, or you could be, um, you know, site superintendent and you're doing, you know, one project every 18 months, right? And right. going across those few. So it's, scale is, <laughs> you're definitely not going to get this type of scale in any other uh, industry, um, for, for revenue that you're responsible for, what, you know, uh, product you're responsible for in, in terms of dollar values. The other thing to, to hit on is that there are long lead times, right? So for those companies, right, if you're on a construction project, that's it. Okay, let's take a normal uh, $20 million building, right? 100,000 square feet. You're looking at a 16 to... 18 month build time. It might get done 12, probably it's gonna get done, finished really in 20. Um, <laughs> for all the realistic, you know, timelines, but you're still looking at over a year projects, right? Year and a half to, to get this building done, 100,000 square feet, $20 million project. And like things take time and that's, it's, you're not gonna speed it up dramatically, right? You're gonna shave, uh, a few months here or there, which is, it's 10%, right? If you talk 18 months and you shave two off, right? That's, that's 10%, but still in all reality, like, okay, you still had to wait a year <laughs> to do that next project, yeah. to try that next thing for the next yeah. phase in, in a project. And that's million percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's not going to be like, Oh, thanks for this. I will uh, I will adopt this tomorrow and spend you know one hundred thousand dollars on this product and overhaul my business. Yeah, there's such a lag that's uh, that's tough, and I think we all know it and we see it, but it's not often spoken out loud. You look at the specialty subcontractor. So the general contractor might be a different environment, but where where I'm working is the specialty subcontractor. I'm a, I'm a, an imaginary contractor, and I'm bidding projects, and I need to be competitive. So I know I have three or four people that are nipping at my heels to try and capture this project as well. And I know that I need to be more productive and there are things that can help me be more productive, but I have a known solution right now. And that's the business that I've been operating in. And I know how to make that better. And so I, I utilize that. And so as a business owner, or maybe it's somebody else in the, in the organization, it's difficult to just automatically say, yeah, Let's do it. Let's try this thing because I have a margin that I've never been comfortable with on this project. But you know what? Let's go for it. And I think 
<clears throat> one of the so I mean I guess to speak to the to the tech world a little bit, understand that when you're coming in and talking to these organizations, that is that is one of the biggest concerns because you look at some of those, they're the specialty subcontractor, they they have huge liability, huge, and they got to figure out how to put something in, and risk mitigation is very important to them. That doesn't mean they're not willing to try it. And that doesn't mean because a product costs X amount of dollars, they won't use it. They just have to understand what what's what's the value and help me roll this out comfortably. Don't just try to sell it to me and then, and then expect me to use it. And there are some organizations that have done a phenomenal job of coaching uh, adoption. Phenomenal. So I don't want to make it seem like some people don't do that. There's, there's great companies that are doing that. Yeah, and for everybody watching live on LinkedIn or Facebook, you can go ahead and drop uh, any comments, questions that you have, and we'll, uh, we'll do our best to, to get to them. But um, yeah, going back a little bit, so in there you'd mentioned, so risk mitigation is huge, which the the business thing that I always like to bring up, <clears throat> which for some listeners, if you're not in a project management, if you're not uh, in the accounting department or responsible for a lot of this is cash flow, especially when you talk subcontractors, right? They're not getting paid for 60, 90 days on a given project. Um, so, and the other thing is with a lot of innovation, you're typically going to be slower at first uh, until you get the hang of whatever that thing that's supposed to speed it up really does. So in this, you might lose a little bit up front, which again, if your cash flow is that tight, if your margins are that thin, which a lot of contractors it is, right? They're operating on a 5% or less margin. So then, you know, to lose a little bit, to lose a percent or two on a project, that's huge. Um, so it's to understand, you know, what everybody's going through um, for, implementation and adoption of technology not that it won't happen you just have to have the right project with the right margins and it might take a year or three right. to get there but don't stop calling the, yeah. the, the contractors will tell you yeah i see the value that's a huge indicator that yeah they understand it it's just not the right time because they're always going to put their money at the most valuable asset the people so everything else will go first because you can still be a contractor with people but you can't be a contractor with no people and machine. <laughs> there is a pursuit to do that. I'm sure there are people trying to be a machine only construction business, but people matter. The people matter the most. That's relationships are everything. Especially in construction, especially. especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much done on a, on a handshake. And this is, this is the other thing too. So, I mean, I grew up on a farm. I grew up in, rural communities where what you said mattered, right? There was no getting by on <laughs> the internet, right? Um, I'm at that age too, where, you know, I grew up without the internet for most of my life. Uh, but what you said mattered, what you did mattered. Um, and, you know, you suffered some consequences if, <laughs> if you didn't do mm -hmm. that. Right? Um, but through that in construction, especially, and this still holds, and this is how most people are brought up, you do what you say you're gonna do. Right. And that that goes a long way. If they can't trust you, that creates safety issues. There's just a lot of problems that go along with that. So for anybody, I don't, you know, young, old, but I mean, especially younger people coming up in construction, you need to do what you say you're going to do. Be a person of your word. Um, 
it, it as much as uh, you may or may not like it, it is an old boys club, meaning that you need to earn your stripes for you to have respect on the job site. It means taking some licks, given as good as you get probably at some point in your, uh, yeah. your career. Yeah. But uh, honesty and integrity goes a, a long way and people will respect you for it, it but it will take time. You, yeah, talking about the respect. So you'll never hear the the, well, you'll never get the truth on how successful they are and you'll never get the truth on how bad it's going. And so it's not my, um, I'm not going to share kind of specific stories, but we got to look at and respect that some of these um, generations, I don't know the right word, man, veterans, old timers, <laughs> you know, people who've seen some stuff. Yeah. The, the, um, the ones that have paved the way for us to have this opportunity, they went through hell. And there were times when business owners were paying payroll out of their own bank account. And they would do, they would, you know, eat beans and toast so that they made sure that the men and women in their business kept working. And they, I'm sure if you ask the question, you'll hear, yeah, I remember XYZ years. It was really, really tight. And we were worried we weren't going to make it, but we did. And, and through that trial and tribulation, they knew how to sustain. Further, they had the high highs of the big success, but it wasn't without the low lows. And so when you talk about young people listening, if you know, if you catch this on a recording or you're looking, you're watching now, ask those people. That's a, an insane brain trust that's still in this industry right now. I think it might be dying out, but there was a time we had five generations in our industry kind of working simultaneously because you had a lot of people still holding on as business owners, the grandparents of multiple generations or some people sitting in advisory roles. And then you got your Gen Z and, uh, that brain trust is going to go away. They're going to retire. They're going to go and spend their time outside of the industry. And so sit down. Don't never be shy asking the question. That's one thing that's helped me a lot is I'm not scared to ask stupid, stupid questions I, 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 because it helps me. And, you know, it, I'm better for it. And sometimes they are really dumb. You know, I'm sure there was a point when I had to ask what BIM was and how come we don't say BIM modeling, right? You know, <laughs> And through that too, you know, you might get uh, <clears throat> a smart comment, you know, upfront on those questions, mm -hmm. but more than likely 99% of the time they're, they're going to give you an answer, right? They'll tell a story and they love telling stories. You just have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask. I, yeah. I, I like to joke, man. If they're not making fun of you, they might not like you. <laughs> they're not like talking shit or you know razzing you a little bit they just might not like you <laughs> so being being poked out a little bit is it's it's good it's a good thing in this world <laughs> and don't take it personally right like don't take it personally no absolutely not it takes a long time to get there though it takes a it took me a long time yeah so we talked about coming up kind of in construction it's going to take some time um, but maybe what's a, what's a story on the other side, right? So this is, we've talked a little bit about the hardship, but what's, what's some of the beauty that you've seen in construction? Um, well, I mean, you can go emotional and just, just being able to provide for a family. Uh, I once heard someone say success is knowing what you want, getting what you wanted, and then being happy with what you got. That's pretty profound and very succinct. Um, there's, 
a lot of success in construction. I've seen um, and been part of the de development of national or global conferences where they talk specifically about a building material. This one was glass. And it's so fascinating to watch the academic community come together with the private industry where the private industry is, you know, we spend millions of dollars on research that's proprietary. We don't want to share it. And you got the academic industry who's saying, look, we're, we're here. We're an open book. This is all the research we've done. This is the white papers. And then watching everybody converge together uh, on a global landscape. Here's what we're doing in Europe. Here's what we're doing in the U.S. Here's what's stopping us and letting us progress. That was absolutely incredible to see. And then I love... I am I just I'm fascinated. I look at stadiums and I think about how big a human is when you look at the stadium. This is the thing I love the most about construction. It just blows me away that we tiny humans, six foot tall, and standing in the middle of those stadiums, you have suspension over that. And we have figured out a way to build a machine, to build a machine, to build a structure, to build something so massive as tiny little human beings. And it just it it's cool. It's, it's really, really cool. You stand at the top of the, the biggest towers. You look at radio towers. You look at dams. We've done that. We do that. And everything that we walk on, we, we get our water from, we take our children to get care for. We Humans have built all of that. Construction is essential. It's a key word right now, right? Like construction is essential. But imagine construction stops abruptly. All aspects. Where does where do we go? We stay exactly where we are for a very long time. No more new stadiums. No more new hospitals. Things become overcrowded. We're living in the same kind of environment. Construction matters, and uh, yeah, that's probably the coolest part for me. VR, AR, man, still I could go, I could go all day. Construction is is me. It's it's my blood. Yeah. AR and VR is fascinating absolutely fascinating to me ar is probably the coolest that i'm seeing come around the idea of um, augmented reality having basically blueprints suspended midair and i can walk around anywhere in the job site and that item stays in the same spot just in a just in a simple the technology on that is unreal i'll never understand the code that re is required to write something like that to where it stays in the exact same geolocation, but it's I trust it and it's insanely valuable. I see that being really cool. Um, there's some cool robots. Um, yeah, construction is badass, man. The <laughs> products products that look like other products, um, lightweight products, quick construction. Um, yeah, it's cool. I can I can go deep on any of those. Where do you want to go? <laughs> I know there's there's a lot of fodder in there. Um, yeah. I guess one of the things to to remember and think about um, to hit on some of the academic pieces that you you talked about, right? Just like glass in particular, um, like Saint Gobain has a division that does uh, electronically tinted glass mm -hmm. to where you can you know it'll based on like how bright it is outside or. Uh, time of day schedule, it'll dim or dark uh, a glass and provide shading so that you, you don't actually have to have shades or blinds on it. Um, it's uh, like sage glass is what it's called. Super awesome. I've done a couple installations with it, but things like that, right? Just you take one material glass and windows and like there's 
an extensive array of things that <laughs> you can right. talk about in glass, right? How many panes does it have? What type of gas is on the inside? Can we, you know, tint it? Can we do that all electronically? How cool is that um, to take one product and then go super deep on it just within the building industry? I mean, walls and ceilings, like that's another, you know, very extensive yeah. uh, industry and just materials alone. Just, yeah, like Eve's product. Eve's is the exterior insulating finish systems. <clears throat> you can make that look like metal, wood, stucco, smooth, painted. Or you look at kind of uh, acoustical controls inside of ceilings, what those can look like, suspend, suspended um, things, plaster applied things. Yeah, it's it's cool. Which just shows like the kind of the depth of the industry, right? We talk construction, especially... Yeah commercial yeah. construction right you have all these different types of operating environments from a operating room to an office right mm -hmm. and everything in between uh that you have in there you have commercial kitchens you have um just stadiums right like all these different environments that people live work operate in uh you know in a not COVID world, but you have right. <laughs> right, all these, all these places, all these environments that people are in that are completely different from each other. And there is a real depth and breadth of knowledge, experience, things that you can do within the industry. So like, don't, don't think construction is just digging ditches or putting up walls yeah, or, yeah. or any of that. Like this is, it's a big, broad, I mean, it's a trillion plus dollar industry in the US alone. Commercial alone is 800 million or 800 billion a year uh, in the US. So then you start uh, adding in um, like highways and bridges and infrastructure. Yeah. All the, uh, the horizontal construction, uh, you know, it, it just goes up from there. So to like construction is a very big place just in the US alone, let alone the rest of the world. But I guess this, so there's a lot of beauty in construction. There's a lot of places people can go, but uh, I want to hear on kind of what the wall and ceiling and from an association standpoint, you guys are, are really focused on that you're seeing across the industry, obviously from a, a pretty high vantage point <laughs> to have a bird's eye view of the industry. You're not, you know, operating just in one company, but kind of seeing how everybody operates. So from that perspective, what are you guys seeing and really looking forward to as the, as we move forward as an industry? Yeah. So did I describe what we are as an association? I might just make mention. Yeah. Start there. Start yeah. There. <laughs> so <laughs> 35 minutes in. Uh, so at what we are as an association is we are a collective group of specialty subcontractors in the wall and ceiling industry in the Southwest United States. And the common theme of all of our uh, members uh, is that they all employ a union workforce. So they're signatory contractors. So we're that association or that um, meeting house for all of those contractors to um, find value from their associations to negotiate with labor unions to help with training and education, um, whatever it is that community is looking for. So from that, we we get a good sense of, oh, all right, where's the industry tracking? What is the labor industry looking at? The trade unions, what are they seeing? What are they planning through for through curriculum? What are we seeing? And then that gives us an opportunity to kind of come together and say, all right, let's, let's work cooperatively to try and create education for these things that we're seeing. 
So right now, you're, it's prefabrication. It started as panelization. It's been around forever, but it's hot. It's a hot word. Everybody's starting a prefab company. Everybody's starting a manufacturing company. You know, Katera paved the way, but it's been around for a long time. So that's a big one. That's that's still going to be a big one. And it's kind of we're we're evolving almost from construction to assembly. What are we doing to to have a controlled environment to better give a finished product? And that might be somebody starting their own break off and they're doing a prefabrication warehouse and they're doing everything. It might be field application. It might be sourcing from an existing prefab organization. So defining um, how that works, um, who represents what, uh, what is the best thing to do, and then further designing for prefabrication. A lot of the contractors are still getting um, project scopes and saying, can you figure out how to do this prefab? And so the contract, the, the specialty subcontractor is going, yes, yes, I can. And then they're tasking themselves with a huge burden of work. So can we kind of help the design process in, in having that in mind? And that's not to say it doesn't exist, but how do we, how do we streamline it so it happens more frequently? Um, augmentation of the human. So that's a simple way to say things that make the body move easier. You got exoskeletons or different tools that are easier to hold. Um, scaffold, maybe that puts you in, in a better reach, moving um, platforms. So anything that's going to protect the individual and help them come home safely, and then also not injure themselves repetitively over time, that's a big one. So a lot of a lot of the tool manufacturers are are kind of asking the question, what, what do you guys care about the most? And I I got to give them credit. I used to think they they would just design their own new tools and say, hey everybody, we've solved it all. They really do. They reach out and say, what what's hurting? Um, how can we help eliminate that pain? Um, you know, shoulders in the plastering industry, whatever it might be. So that that's some of it. Augmented reality is another one that's coming out that seems to be catching a lot of momentum. Uh, James said it on our roundtable, BIM, uh, we might be, just like we use 10% of our brains, we might be using 10% of the capacity of BIM in our industry and just, just unearthing the value BIM provides and diving deeper into that to, for it to be even more of an asset. So it, it helps everybody, even somebody who's doing TI work on you know multi-level construction sites, um, build outs, there, there's value there. So. Those are some of the, some of the big things we're seeing. Um, uh, safety monitoring. Um, how can we watch and use um, kind of predictive uh, models to help with safety? Uh, computational design has always been teased. What is that going? What impact is that going to have on a specialty subcontractor? I like to give the money ball example, and I think there's a few of us around this industry who use it. We've done a lot of guessing. So how can we take data? and be more sure of our decisions. How can we understand, hey, your production rate on this element is X. On these previous jobs of the same caliber you performed this way, use that information to create a more competitive bid, hopefully increase some profit margins, send people home safer, maybe work them less. Um, you get eight hours work um, done in six. Are, are those things possible? If we start quantifying that, 
yeah, those things are possible. There's a lot of startups that are that are saying, yeah, I think we can quantify some of those things. And that's some of the stuff we're seeing. It's a big list. Uh <laughs> you, you said what am I seeing? So I was glad I went for it, man. No, uh, I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. Um one of the things that I wanna really so I think the data thing and quantifying it is ultimately it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, go out there with a stopwatch, right? Feed that back into an Excel sheet, you know, it can be that basic. Um, and then update your average time across all projects, all people, so that you have a good baseline to work from, right? That it's a moving average. That is maybe your your workforce gets better, right? The number improves. If uh, things maybe don't get better, that you know you can adjust accordingly, and you're not getting hosed on the the next project. Uh, but to try to keep a running running piece of that and frankly, an average in Excel is, <laughs> is about as basic as it gets, but as useful as it can be moving forward. Yeah. Um, so I think that that data piece is, is awesome uh, to hear also uh, hammered on that last week uh, with her. She's you know. awesome. They're doing so much. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, and from Nika's perspective, I mean, they're doing, you know, a similar thing, right? Looking at data, trying to make those decisions. Um, obviously on the, the electrician side of things, but, um, you know, it's very similar for, um, ceiling and wall to, you know, Hey, you've got, you've got a labor rate for doing something, um, and then be able to put that back through your system for the next project, um, can be super beneficial, right? If, if <laughs> rates go up or down a dollar, that, that means quite a bit, you know, on a big job. Yep. Um, the other thing that I, I do want to hit on, so this gets, hammered a lot is so uh, for years i've been on the design side right i'm a professional electrical engineer stamped and sealed a couple million square feet and <clears throat> especially now in this world of bim and prefab and uh taking a bim model we want contractors to use it is uh and now i'm on like a side table right <laughs> i'm not not a, necessarily designing but you know being an assist to um the industry really as a whole and through that, I've had a lot of conversations with contractors and designers alike in, you know, not using the model uh, appropriately. So mm -hmm. often I get from, especially on the contractor side, that we get a model, <laughs> we basically just throw it right in the trash and start over. Um, so that because I think- this is the way it should have gone. This is the way they should have done it. Yeah. <laughs> Or, you know, these, this family, this content, this is garbage. We can't use any of it, um, which I, I see both sides of it, right? From a, an engineering perspective and really the design team as a whole, because this goes for everybody. So, I mean, wall and ceiling, you know, can't use the architect's models. The, the MEP subs can't use the design model, right? The design model just gets thrown away uh, for a couple of reasons. One, the design team is getting paid for design and ultimately still a 2D set of prints, right? They're getting paid for PDFs yep. <laughs> to go through uh, planning, to go through permitting and design approval, right? Plus most jobs are still uh, design bid build. So they're going for, again, two-dimensional <laughs> plans that everybody can look at. They get the same thing off of it. This is what the contracts get held to. And then plus the... 2000 page spec book <laughs> gets handed over at the beginning of every, every job. Um, so I can, I can see the design side. They're like, we don't get paid for all this. 
Um, and then on the contractor side, it's like, okay, we're getting paid, but this is a huge pain in our ass to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this whole BIM thing's supposed to be easier. Um, so there seems to be a, a break. And I think contracts end up being the place to solve this. But the people that write the contracts don't understand like these little nuances and shifts to where things just don't don't align um, from BIM. I mean, that's what I've I've seen. Other than like a contract solution and really, you know, either design firms getting paid more for it or you bring in design assist. But again, everybody has their own process to work through. Um, I don't have a solution for, for this one other than I know it's a huge problem for for the industry. I so I just heard about somebody and shame on me. And I think what I'll, I'll follow up on this LinkedIn post when I find out who it was. Um, but I know somebody's tackling that exact issue. I remember talking to, so two things, building the specs is what I'm focused on right now. I saw somebody that said it so perfectly. I build buildings with words is how they describe the specs. That's pretty profound. It's like, yeah, that's, that is like basically where everything kind of falls on is the words of the specs to determine how to build a 3D building. And then another, I gave a CSI presentation and some of the spec writers were like, we would love more than anything to be invited to job sites because we don't know what it looks like. We don't know how things go together and we need that help. We have, we're expected to know the entire construction process from dirt to sky and with our words. And that's why you see a lot of this copy pasta kind of spec writing is because of that reason. And so one, one thing we could do immediately is reach over and say, hey, we'd love to invite you out. You know, the, the first Tuesday of every month, spec writers, it's six, six spots. Come check out this job site. We'll show you these three crafts. You can't be here more than an hour. I mean, yeah, because you, you got to have some limitation, but just just to just to give a sense of it, there's some efforts happening too um, of boot camps for architects. Architects come in, cut some glass, um, do some drywall finishing. That's been super helpful. But one suite of answers. I know there's a lot of effort on it, but I don't have. I don't know that there's a, an immediate solution. Let, just take the take the the shop drawing answer. You, you sent the model and then it goes to the subs and then they create their own set of shop drawings and then it goes to the field and then the guys in the field say well that's not what's here so we're gonna it actually has to be done this way and then all of that so that information comes all the way from design all the way down to the person building the wall and then the person building the wall does it a little bit different and then that has to go all the way back for approval that's a lot of gas that's a lot of gas to try and um, keep things flowing and there's, there's a lot of lag there you know one one model that's a it's a really good idea is one model yeah and I think I mean Katera tried to obviously <laughs> they're not that successful but uh, Katera tried to to do everything and um, you know it's a good intent good uh, way to go about it there is a lot of money and blew a lot of money um, you know because it was construction is, is not easy, right? It's, uh, it's, not easy. it's a, a lot of, a lot of moving parts, a lot of, mm -hmm. uh, supply chain logistics, um, manufacturing all rolled up into, to one big building. Um, and yeah. it's, 
it can be a beautiful thing when, you know, prefab jobs go right, where you see hotels, you know, getting craned in all the room pods, everything yeah. set. Like that's, that's beautiful. But uh, how often that happens is, uh, you know, you, you see the, the 10 buildings that get built a year in the world. <laughs> yeah. That Try that in New York city when your trucks are only allowed in, in a 45 minute window, two days a week. <laughs> Right. Because you can't shut down the street to pick those pods up or, you know, or any or any hiccup at all. Yeah, that's tough is we we built a, a national certification. I was part of the community that kind of got it going and then it's since got a life of its own. But when we were kind of strategizing about the certification, even it was like, well, what are the categories? Well, let's do X or Y, you know, storefront or multi-story. And every time we'd ask, well, what's the safety requirements? Well, it depends on the job. What are the procurement requirements? Depends on the job. What what is the common practice of QC? Depends on the job. And it's like, how can we how can we create a standardization if every job is different? And ultimately that you kind of figure out where the overarching kind of consistencies are. But yeah, it's it's nuts, man. It's fun. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, I love being challenged. I love the I love that no, no day is the same in construction, and that's to me that's fun. I love that. Yeah, you always... never seen me at a desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll always have a different problem to to solve a different uh, whether that and this is the other thing that I think it's overlooked often is the people aspect, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to communicate. I mean, we hit on it earlier, right? Your word is your bond. Uh, but the ability to communicate on a job site, those soft skills go a long way, right? You can say something and that come across really badly <laughs> for everybody, yeah. or yeah. you can get your point across that, Hey, this needs to be done this way. Um, you know, and do that in a nice, nice manner or make everybody mad at you. Uh, but either way, something, you know, it still needs to get done, right? It needs to be built correctly. And sometimes that might mean tearing a wall down, but uh, you've got to go through and, and do that. Do it right. Yeah, do it right. No shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. You said it earlier. Everything that this industry does ultimately is for people. We work in the offices, we're cared for, or our cancer is treated in the hospitals, our children are taught in the schools. I, to me, that seems like one of the most important things ever. Don't don't shortcut that. You know, one one wrong application sends water. You know, you can just you can just start thinking of all the horror stories. But you you said um, kind of communication and soft skills. So let's let's dive in on that a little bit, and I'll share some of the things I learned the hard way. Right? <laughs> okay. Now, our generation millennial i don't want to assume your age but my generation of yep. millennial right we are text savvy email email and so we'll see an email and we'll let it stew cool we'll chill for a day or two you know we'll get back to it because we don't perceive it as important but the the older generations are going to see that communication as critical and they're expecting a response that's why they communicate it to you so one tip hot tips, I'm just coming up with these right now off the fly, is respond to your emails in a timely manner. I know there's always these like, do it in a block, do it in the same block, that's fine, but always, always be consistent if that's what you've decided. And not drop everything answer right away, but respond in a timely manner. Same day yeah. is usually a good practice. That's yeah. one. 
time. So we've hit on this in a few episodes. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, but I, I do want to, cause this is important. This is hugely important, especially in construction because more often than not, things are labeled urgent. Like I need this mm-hmm. and I need it right now. That is not always the case. Um, so you end up in this, you know, see and respond type of scenario where you probably in, I would say like a large majority, 80, 90% of all instances, you probably need to take an hour to figure out how you're going to respond. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> For like a couple reasons. So one is, okay, like you have an urgent field problem. You can respond immediately to say, hey, I received it. Let me look into this. I'll get back to you. That's it. Yeah, right. Right. Like I, I hear you. We're looking into this. It might take a while, right? It could take it. This is an hour solution. This is a two-hour solution. This is this is going to take me a few days, right? That's that. But you kind of just rolled on like how to answer it. But I think it merits saying it. Manage the expectation of response. Say, yeah. hey, I hear you. I expect to respond to you again in X time, because yeah. then it's just it just cools the it just cools the thing. Yeah, I, I had to expand on that because it, it's it's <laughs> so important. It's so important. Yeah, no, this is this is a super nuanced topic because the other thing, so that's a immediate response, but that's it, right? You don't say anything else. So a lot of this, and this is the stuff that unless some old timer sits down with you and tells you is you don't put anything in writing unless you mean it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. do not put anything in writing unless you mean it, right? Do not record a meeting unless you mean it. Yeah. Do not say anything. So a phone call is different. On-site is different. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's in meeting minutes, if it's in any written form of communication that will come back to bite you at some point in the future. It's forever. Yeah, it doesn't forever. go away. That's yeah. also including text. That's including email, anything written, Slack, Teams, you name it. Like, Don't write it if you don't mean it. Yeah. Uh, especially in construction, you will get sued at some point, and all that is now discovery. That's so uh, bad. But that just sucks that it's, you know, because you, yeah, the old old handshake years, they weren't that nervous. It was just, yeah, I respect you and I understand and let's go for it. And it sucks that we're like, he said that, he said that, get the screenshot. Oh, yep. You're done, dude. You're done. You're done. I'm still taking you down. It's like, man, that's, that sucks. It's important. What you're saying is important. It just. Yeah. But this is also why you build rapport with people you have a good relationship and you pick up the phone, you pick up the yeah. phone, you have a conversation with them. One, it's not recorded Two, you can get like the tonality, the inflection, the like, yeah, man, I know this sucks, but like, this is the way we have to do it. And then you can follow it up with an email. Um, but have those conversations, build rapport, build trust with people. And then over the course of a job, right. When my, might start as small favors or a tip for tat, like, Hey, you do this for me. I do this for you. It becomes, you know, like, hey, no, we got this taken care of, right? Or, right. yeah, go ahead and do that, whatever, you know. And again, I'm coming from the design side where, <laughs> like, I had a lot of pull on a project um, to where you can build really good rapport with an electrician and the electrical team or whoever your discipline is, right? So, that for me, yeah. it was the electrical superintendent. Uh, but, like, hey, man, yeah, no, just go ahead and do that. I'll mark it on my side or whatever. We'll deal with change orders or whatever later um, mm-hmm. you know, 
not worried about it. I'll sign off on it. <laughs> like, you know, but by the end of a project, that's how we dealt with a lot of things because we had trust in each other to to do the right thing. Um, but yeah. it doesn't start that way. <laughs> but a lot of it was built, you know, phone calls, showing up, walking the site, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, it's a nuance and like, yes, respond to your emails, but, and, <laughs> you know, manage the Yeah, I know it's the if this, then this kind of thing. And we understand that, but don't let it bake on, unresponded to yeah. and then if somebody's another like point two if someone says hey call um tiffany hey call james like actually call them yeah. don't send an email i sent an email they didn't reply it's like dude you were told to call them that's that's how the relationship is built so that one is very self-explanatory if someone says hey give someone a call actually call them and then the other one that i like just grind on is um show up early stay late as it's it's still a thing you know what if you have a 10 a.m meeting you're in the parking lot at 9 50 with no question like don't there is no um on time is late and that's not a kind of that's just is dude, it's you got to be there you don't want to be the one people are waiting for in a room it's a very uncomfortable feeling i've only done that once and it sucks the other the other thing to that is so no matter what side of the table you're on is that's how you're going to win the next job. Mm -hmm. The next job will come either. Uh, I've had this happen on, I don't know how many occasions, but uh, go into a room, right? I'm there early, you know, talk to the owner, you know, or the owner's rep, talk to the CM, you know, whatever, just some nice casual, whatever they mentioned, Hey, uh, stick around after, after we, you know, go walk the site together or whatever. And Hey, by the way, this project's coming up. Yeah. And I've had that both from <laughs> or a CM, a contractor, uh, owner, right. All through yeah. the chain by yeah. you showed up. Hey, can we walk after? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Right. And you push whatever you have to, and you make that happen. And, and you, and that's not even, let's say you're in the field too. And you're just trying to earn your, your keep. You're trying to journey out, whatever you might, your foreman might appreciate the added effort. Hey man, we're going to go work on this like huge project. I want you on my team. You're, I like your work ethic. Um, I like your eye, whatever it is, uh, whatever the craft. Yeah. It, it's, it's the whole chain because <laughs> kind of funny. We're talking about it, but yeah, you, you, you learn those the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> I well, do. I, like I told you, I'm not afraid to ask stupid questions. I've also made mistakes too. Yeah. It's uh, and it's not necessarily some of this is like the hard way is you never got the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. It never showed up for you. That's the hard way in a lot of this, right? You came in, you did your job, and you're like, why am I not getting promoted? Why am I not moving up? Why are there no opportunities? You weren't did there. Did you ask? <laughs> how, how, how about that? Like, oh man, I didn't get a raise this year. Did you ask? Did yeah. you even ask if you sh if you can get a raise? Did you ask what it would take to get a raise? That one, that one chaps me, man. When they're like, "Oh, dude, I just wish I could. I just wish I got a raise." Or I, I sh that should have been my job. It's like, did you ask why why you didn't get it? Did you maybe do an after action, or did you ask what can I do to get it? No, I didn't. It just you know I've been working hard. Well, that's why because you're working hard at what you do, and they value what you're doing where you are. That's fine. Yeah, we share a lot of a, a lot of passion for that. It's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's 
again, guys, there's so much nuance in this stuff, uh, but showing up, doing the right thing, asking questions will get you 98% of the way there. Mm -hmm. And then you'll, at some point, the right opportunity at the right time will present itself. You know, when you're ready for it, the right person will come along or even again, you just, you get handed, handed the next project because you did such a good job on this one. And this is how yeah. the industry works. You yeah. know, you do a good job, you're, and it might not be handed, but you're invited to do or participate in an RFP for the next one, right? Out of three yeah. companies. So you get shortlisted automatically for doing a good job on this one. And that rolls to the next one, to the next one, to, yep. you know, that owner's rep goes to another uh, company. So now you get this opportunity and that rolls to the next thing. So it's, it's a big system with not a lot of people <laughs> Yeah, that all know each other. So it's don't crazy how small this industry is nuts. It's nuts. So don't do anything to damage your reputation. <laughs> yeah, like just don't do it. Yeah. Don't give people a story to tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or make it, yeah, make it at least a good one and a funny one. You know, something that like, you're not, not embarrassed to like have brought up at the barbecue. Yeah. yeah. Do I have one? Are you saying, is that what you got? <laughs> oh no. Okay. Yeah. Gotta, don't give them a story. Yeah. 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 I try to think of some of the, the old time. Man. We have, a, we've had a lot of fun on the job sites that made me just start going like, of the fun times of the stories because they exist. <laughs> they exist. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's not just the job sites, right? It's the the barbecues, the going out mm -hmm. to drinks and dinner, like all those things with your team, with the people, you know, as much as some people out there might say that doesn't matter, it does. It matters a whole lot and a, <laughs> a whole lot. More than you know. Yeah. To show up to that type of stuff. Um I know like we can riff on, on this topic yeah, we, I, yeah. in particular for, for a long time, but um, kind of on the next thing. And, you know, I know you brought it up uh, at the round table. I'd just like you to expand on it, but is, is robotics. Cause I know that's the big thing that you see the industry heading to and really a lot of the augmentation um, and other types of robotics where it's not fully autonomous, but maybe semi-autonomous or just a machine to help out. Um, and kind of you hit on with the the association with SWACA that it's, you know, a big thing that people are, um, you're looking to, to augment, to help extend yeah. safety, <laughs> livelihood, longevity, happiness of everybody on the job site. But where do you see um, robotics and this whole kind of uh, mechanization, if you will, going? Um, we might see. So i am fortunate i kind of am just going to describe very generally what i'm seeing um I not specific projects and i'll give you what my interpretation of everything that's happening so you see and you saw everybody saw the viral video of the robot putting up drywall and they're going to replace every worker so I, i'll spare everybody the details of that one basically it was a four-legged thing that puts drywall up and screws it and um, you, then you have simple robotics like 3D printing concrete. Uh, that would be a robot. There's painting robots. There's drones that are painting. There's there's a lot of solutions using machines to do things that he, humans previously have done. And I think where we're at right now in robotics is the will it work phase. 
And you kind of look at that adoption timeline of like the smartphone where it hockey sticks. That hockey stick, I don't think is going to, I don't think Dylan, it's going to replace everybody. I, the human is too important for the construction process. The communication, it's every job is different. It, the human matters more than anything. But I think where it'll level out and where the dust will settle is support of, like you said, the support of the workforce. And I think we'll see um, maybe robots are picking up heavy things. Maybe robots are driving things to locations um, without a human. Maybe robots are um, kind of designing specific elements. Of, this is kind of AI, but I call it a robot because it's something, but designing computational design. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see robots emerge, but robots to me are a tool, not a replacement. And that's what I think everybody should kind of look at and take as their narrative of robotics. And if you're a robotics firm that says, to hell with you, Nick, we're going to replace everybody. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. Uh, so, <laughs> but I'd love to have a conversation on why you believe so. Um, I think we need to, as an industry, embrace robotics as a mechanism to help. And how can I empower my people, my crew, or how can I empower myself to do more with less effort? And so that, that is less strain on the body. That might be um, less stressed in the evenings. Um, whatever it is that you determine to be less stressed on yourself. But I think robotics is a, is a tool not a not a replacement so don't shy away from them look at them and then think of them as a cool toy how how can i how can i best maximize this don't look at it at, in a lens of oh man they got a dry roll robot they're gonna take oh my god i like okay well, what if what if you could maximize that and use your crew to the best of their abilities elsewhere there's a way to take robotics and use it and let's be an industry that supports the development of these robotics so that they're welcomed and they can help us. Because at the end of the day, every robot, I believe, is less strain on a human body. And less strain on a human body is a happier person. And a happier person creates a better industry. So to me, I think that's that's enough to, to, to take a look at it and say, can this work? Yeah. But uh, yeah, robotics is... It's. I think it's still in the where. Where does it fit? And where does it? Where does it fit in this world? There's a lot of. There's a lot of proposals, but what's the? What's the real benefit? Yeah, I mean, so like my company, Calbung Studios, we automate the design document process for electrical engineering, right? Low voltage mm -hmm. lighting, power, fire alarm, all that stuff. So we go from zero to design documents, roughly, right? Hey. 85% design document set. So we place all the devices in your model. And then from there, now a person, and this has been our thesis, a person does all the like engineering, right? All the things that take thought, all the coordination yeah. pieces, all mm -hmm. the like actual brain power. And we took all the tedious stuff out of that process. And that's what I think a lot of these uh, solutions in robotics where you have a lot of outside firms coming in that want to do the whole chain, but anything that's coming from the industry is taking out these tiny, well, in some cases, tiny, but like, <laughs> you know, these swaths of a problem that are super tedious, super repetitive, and don't use the full like 
extent of a person. It's like the really hard stuff, right? Or so like a, a, a robot, like if it uh, puts up drywall, right? It's going to do sheets, but anything that is complicated, any curved wall, right. anything that is like needs some craftsmanship, yeah. that robot is never going to be able to do. Or a long straight hallway. That's yeah. what it's got. Yeah. Right. And that is probably five years away from now. Yeah. 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 So like, again, for a lot of these solutions, it's to take out the like super tedious, stressful, time consuming, painful process. And I think that's across the board in, in robotics and software is what uh, one people should be looking at doing if they're not. Uh, but to allow the person to be a better designer, a better craftsman, a better tradesman in whatever it is that they're doing. Right. Like that's that's my company's whole thesis <laughs> is yeah. taking out this tedious, repetitive stuff that you know needs to be done and then allows you to do everything else, right? Meet with owners, have those meetings, coordinate, <laughs> do actual- Let the professional be the professional. Yeah, yeah. I like the layout robot is really exciting um, for drywall framing. I, I call it a Roomba with a Sharpie and I don't mean to discredit the effort that's going into it, but that's- insane because the people who are laying out now can go coordinate materials get better quicker procurement now they have an idea they can trust that the layout is accurate yeah it's it's cool but then you're going to have the contractors are going to come poke holes in it and go okay what if it runs over a screw <laughs> okay dude like clearly you're not one to embrace robots then but that is a very valid valid question that's very real and was not thought of because you're never going to get a clean floor yeah yeah, and it's again, you're getting 85, 90% of the way through a project, right? It's an 80 20 mm -hmm. rule, right? So 80% of this is going to be done. Again, the super complicated things for like layout in particular aren't just, it's not going to happen, right? So some odd corners, some weird cases just aren't going to happen. But for the majority of your office walls, for the majority of your hallways, mm -hmm. right? All those things can now be laid out using, uh, I mean, Dusty Robotics is a company um, to do that, right? And they're yeah, only in the Bay Area. Good. It's only in the Bay Area right now. And then like Canvas is doing mud and tape for drywall projects. And they're acting as a subcontractor for these projects, right? They're not yep. licensing their tech out currently, but in a lot of that, it's so that they're, they're owning the whole problem <laughs> and allowing... Uh, a person that would have started, you know, at the bottom of the, the ladder to now have to operate a robot, probably get paid a little more to do so. They're more productive. They can do that. And then really they can see and go through more projects quicker and learn more. Right. So we look at the like learning trajectory yeah. of somebody because you see it over and over and over again, quicker, your, your growth and learning is actually going to be higher to basically what we start out this conversation with and how to learn and grow is really at cycle times, which, yeah. you know, is a, in construction, you, you gotta be in the industry a long time to see a lot of cycles versus like if you're in the automotive industry, right. You see a thousand cars going down the line a day. You get yep. to see that quite a few times. Until they change the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, the, and so Dusty and Canvas, both of those require people. They still require people, and those people can either get an added education, so it could be a tradesperson with an added, yeah, what you just said, added education or brand new education. That's that's more people in the industry or more 
um, valuable people. Yeah, and the other side of this that you mentioned too is safety, right? So safety and longevity. Now that that same tradesperson, instead of having to retire at fifty because he's got a back problem, might be able to stay till sixty, yeah, you know, with no back problem, right? That that's cool to me. That seems cool. I mean, someone might say, "Oh, so you want me to work ten more years? So you're just going to use me for ten more years? That's what you're trying to do?" It's like, man, no. Maybe someone with a negative mindset, but no, it's so you so you can so you can do what you love or yeah, chase it, do what you want, or retire at fifty and go fishing and not worry about sitting sitting down for too long because you're back. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they probably had that back problem at forty two and then just mm -hmm. got tired of it at fifty and now are you know have way more issues than they care to admit. Um, yeah. Moving forward, so I think that's that's really cool, Nick. Before we. Uh, kind of wrap this up where can everybody find you so i work for wwcca which is the western wall and ceiling contractors association you can visit our website uh, wwcca.org i'm on twitter uh it's Carrillo, but it's spelled k-a-h-r-e-o find me there uh linkedin um kind of everywhere wherever you are i'll be there too reach out <laughs> Um, and then you can find my email. It's just my first name at www.cca.org. Reach out anytime. I'm I'm here. I'll talk to anybody that uh, loves the industry. And and beyond. Yeah, and beyond. <laughs> so we've talked about where the industry is headed. We've talked about people coming into it. Um, what is something else that that you want people in the industry or attracting people into the industry. So one of like Matt's um, pieces is build better and like the blue collar, you know, uh, badass. So, you know, we want to people to know that being a tradesman, being a subcontractor is a, is a cool thing, right? You are a blue collar badass. Um, but where else and what else would you like to, to impart upon our listeners today? I, I think I've said it through, said it through. It's there the pride of this industry is unmatched in anything else I've ever done. Um, aside from being a parent, getting married, that's the personal, but career wise, the pride of being part of building something is great. And we all know being in the industry, you're driving down your city and you say, I built that, I built that. And this is what I'm saying to you is, is um, known for all of us watching that's in the industry, but those outside the industry, if we can just give a flavor of that, to the people who are considering a career in the trades, I think we can't, we'll never be able to seat everybody. It's the greatest feeling in the world working on the city you live in. It's it's unmatched. And then, yeah, I think that's probably what I'd, I'd like to leave with it. I care deeply about this industry. It's it's my blood and I wanna do whatever I can to, to ensure that it, it grows and it stays what it is, the best industry and that's construction not a specific trade construction i'd be remiss though too dylan if i didn't we started a campaign in um, arizona called better built arizona so anybody who's looking for a career in arizona um, our employers are all taking candidates and it's it's on that idea of construction being a legitimate career where did it go uh betterbuiltarizona.org arizona nice. spelled yeah, guys. So if uh, one, that's those are great words to, to leave on. Two, uh, if you know 
either somebody that wants to get in it to it, uh, you know, that wants to leave Texas and go to some warmer weather uh, <laughs> right now, <laughs> since uh, <laughs> Texas can't handle the snow or anywhere else. Uh, I mean, that's what Matt's dealing with right now is uh, freezing cold weather and a bunch of snow in Michigan. But, uh, you know, Arizona is a great place to to go to, and again if you know anybody that wants to get into it i highly suggest um checking it out again through the these trade associations there's tons yeah. of knowledge tons of information that just can help you in in so many ways i'll say this anybody who wants to know where to go to try and find a job if you kind of don't call me i'll i'll go i'll do the research for you very fortunate to kind of have a pulse of where to go for the associations, for the um, the campaigns that are hiring. But I don't care where you're from. If you're from Canada, the United States, um, abroad, call me. I I am one. I'm so passionate about growing this industry that I will help anybody who's interested in a job. Send you. I'll say I won't get you the job. I'll send you to where to go. <laughs> uh, I'll help you find where to go. It's on you to get it. Yeah, it's on you to get it. I can't do the interview for you. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, that those that's awesome. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for for coming on the show. This has been uh, a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, we'll do a, another one when Matt uh, doesn't have to worry about pipes and cold water. and all that Yeah, kind of stuff. I'm in Arizona. I, f I feel for them. I, I must suck. Cold weather's for visiting, Dylan, not for living in. <laughs> well, Texas gets credit, though. They didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so I'm in the mountains here in California. So uh, right now we're we're sunny, but like two weeks ago I got like two feet of snow. So not for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I enjoyed the conversation, Dylan, a lot. You can count on me to come back anytime, anytime. Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, that's going to be this episode of the Construction Corner podcast. We covered just a ton of great ground. It's worth a re-listen and going back to. I mean, we covered so much. We covered from contracts to AR to specs to words build buildings um, to just building better and knowing that you have tons of opportunity in the trades um, and organizations like uh, Western Wall Contractors Association is a great place uh, to go. NECA, I mean, all these trade organizations are a wonderful place to get so many resources to learn and grow uh, within your select industry or just to to learn more about this great wide world that we have in construction so guys till next time see ya <laughs>